The Valley Hub Stories podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, Gumbangia Country. We acknowledge, respect and appreciate their continuing connection to and care of country throughout time. Welcome to the Valley Hub Stories podcast, episode four, part of the purpose of this podcast is to connect the community and let me tell you, our two guests today are certainly in the business of doing this. To celebrate November, Small Business Month, we are speaking with two powerhouse local businesswomen, Tara Ledger and Tamara McWilliam. First up, Tamara is a successful author, naturopath and together with her mum and sister owns Elcon 38 a business that has survived and thrived through the changing times, the pandemic and an evolving community. You may recognise Tamara from other community causes, such as the Chamber of Commerce or News of the Area. Somehow Tamara's list of doing grows by the day and I am keen to find out how she manages it all. Let's jump in. Thanks for joining me today, Tamara. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me a bit about you? Okay, so I am a mum, I am a wife, I am a business owner, I am a member of the Nambaka Valley community. Uh, I've been here since I was about three years old and I went to school here, I started my first job here and eventually opened a business with my mum and sister about 20 years ago. And what do you like about living in the Nambucca Valley? Oh, everything. I love it here. I mean, I've been in a lot of different places and it's just beautiful. I mean, we've got the best part of the world. I think we're right near the beach, we're right near the forest, we're not overrun, we're not too busy. It's just a really beautiful place and a beautiful community. I love the community. So tell me about your day-to-day life, about your business, <laughs> about what your average day looks like. Oh, busy. Not so busy as it used to be because my children are now adults, but very busy. So I'm a business owner, as you know. So I own and run Elcon 38 in Maxville with my mum and sister. I sort of do that through the day. And then I go home and I'm an author. So I write of a night. So I'm very busy, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Tell me about Elk. Elk. So my mum, sister and I, we opened our business in Maxwell here about 20 years ago. It was really, really random. We sort of, we all worked in different areas. Brie was, I think she was in a chemist at that time as a dispenser. I was in the banks or I just had the children actually. And mum was hairdressing. So we all just got together and went, you know, we just need something to be together, spend more time together that we could enjoy. Anyway, Brie and I, we used to work in a video shop when we were kids and loved it, like so easy. So we thought, oh, let's just open a video shop. So we did and we had a little cafe to the corner and we were very fortunate at the time we could afford to buy the building that we went into. We renovated it. So it was really quite fun and we got to spend more time with each other because we're family. And then as time went on, obviously things happen and things change and everything went to, you know... It was all electronic, so you could get on Netflix and stand. So videos went by the by. You, you just didn't get DVD hires anymore. So we had to diversify with the change. So Brie and I then became hairdressers. So mum trained us up. We put a salon in. We still had the videos, but obviously they were getting less and less. And then one day, brilliantly, Brie, I don't know if I'm still happy about this or not, but she just said, oh, let's open a tapas bar. So it was time for another change. So we just totally 
pretty much gutted the whole building and restart, reset, and we opened a tapas bar. So then obviously COVID happened, you couldn't do shared eating, so we then sort of changed a bit more again and we opened weekends for lunch and breakfast. And we still do do tapas, but not as much as we did when we first opened. So you're also an author, as you mentioned. I'm just struggling to imagine how you fit that in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I started that because I'm actually a trained naturopath as well. So overnight, I'd be really quite busy. And, you know, through the day I had kids and, you know, what it's like running around after children. And I'd be here through the day for work and then I'd get home and I'd be like, you know, busy running the house. But then everyone would go to bed. Because I studied so much and I I did so much, I'd, I'd be quite wired at that time of night. So I was really quite alert and I remember thinking, oh, I should write like a detox book because I'm a naturopath, that would be really good. It'd it'd stimulate me and get me through that time so it was time for bed. So anyway, I started and I hated it. It was so boring. I'm like, oh, I do this for work. it's, It's just boring. So I needed something a little different. So I started writing a book and it was just this random romance book that I wrote, but I didn't tell anyone. I just do that at night when everyone fell asleep. And out of the blue, I just sort of said to my hubby, I went, oh, dog, guess what? He's like, oh, what, love? And I said, oh, I wrote a book. And he sort of looked at me really stunned. He's like, what? So yeah, so that's how I started writing. So it was really only just to, it was a bit of a release. It was a bit of creativity to calm my busy day. And 12 books later, I'm still writing. So yeah, it's great. What do you think has been the key to turning that into a successful enterprise? The writing? Yeah. I think the writing community in the Valley. So there's a lot of writers here. There's Fiona MacArthur, Annie Seaton, Carly Lane, Greg Barron, you know, Robbie Atkin. There's so many in this community. And they were such a really good support network to me. So they sort of took me under their wing and they're like, come to these lunches, come to these events. So I think having that community support was definitely key. I don't think I would have been able to do as well as I have with it if if they weren't there. Mm. I guess it was probably a good distraction during COVID too. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. And and like I said, you know, I mean, when the kids get to that older, more challenging age as well, it was a really good balance for me to have that creativity side. So I wasn't switched on in that adrenaline state all the time. It did wind me down at the end of a really busy day too. So mm. It was, it was good. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about how Elk had to pivot during COVID. Some- oh, that was really tricky because to try and uh, balance, because obviously one day we'd get the notification from the government to say, right, you're closed today for the next four weeks. Then we're open. Then we're open with masks. Then we're open with injections. Then we're open with masks. Then we're, I mean, they went backwards and forward, backward and forward. It was really hard here because of our tapas, because we were opening three to four nights a week. It was going brilliantly. And because it's shared eating, you weren't allowed to do any shared eating. So that was really hard to go, well, what do we do now? We've gone from, you know, this beautiful nighttime trade to nothing. So we ended up doing some different recipes. We made lunches. We made all different sorts of food that people could come in and just buy and then take home. We still kept the coffee going like normal. We were able, thank goodness, to keep our staff on because that was one of the advantages to owning the building was we didn't have to pay rent. I really feel for businesses that had to pay rent at that time because I think it would have been almost impossible. So we were really fortunate to be able to keep everybody on. Shops never look so clean because, you know, that's what you do if you didn't have much to do through the time. But it was really hard to, you know, reinvent ourselves And being in business for as long as we have, 
Mumbry and I sort of were at that stage. And thankfully there's three of us. So when one's flat, the other one's up. So it was really good. And through that time, we were fortunate enough to just reinvent different ideas and just try different things to sustain us through that lockdown time where, you know, the community, they were great. They supported us so beautifully. We're so thankful. And we just sort of changed our our menu up and changed what we did for that period of time. Just on the topic of community support, do you think there was a general sense of camaraderie amongst businesses too? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like we made sure that we would go and get dinner from, you know, the RSL or something like that or the pubs just to make sure that we spread ourselves around too. So for me personally, it was sort of a time where people came in and and they might have normally come in once or twice a week. They were coming in once or twice a day and supporting us. So in my heart, it was almost the whole, let's keep this coin rolling around the town. So then I would go down and buy something from another shop, whether I bought a milkshake or sweets or, you know, just to keep the money running through the community. And through that time, it, to me, it wasn't, and to mum, Bree and I, it wasn't about making money. It was about keeping our staff employed and it was about keeping the money spreading through the community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the community here are very amazing and supportive. Mm. Challenging time for all business owners, but I'm wondering about the dynamics of working with your family. You said one of the motivating factors was being able to spend more time together, and I guess you had a surplus of that during COVID. We did. Look, COVID for us was almost like a blessing in disguise in a way because we've obviously been here such a long time and we work quite long hours. So it was a time where we had to have time off and – at that time when we did have to have time off, we were working probably 16, 17 hours a day. So we really did need a bit of a break. So it did pull us back. You know, we weren't open as long as hours. It was quite easy work because it was, you know, our business was cut in thirds really. It was really, really slow. And it gave us time to stop and reflect and, and have a bit more time with our families at home, which was really nice. And to actually stop and appreciate each other. Whereas, you know, at work it was like, oh yeah, hi. And then you wouldn't really talk for the rest of the day. So it was a bit of a blessing in disguise for us in that way in regards to family. So yeah, it was good. Mm. Talking about having a business in the area during COVID, I'm wondering what the general experience of having a small business in our area has been like for you, because having spoken to a number of small business owners now, mm-hmm. um, particularly in, in, in different fields, one of the barriers that most people seem to report is having the same expectations as big businesses from, say, you know, council and government processes and accreditation processes, and, and they've found that quite challenging to navigate. So I'm just curious to hear how that's been for you. Oh, look, the most challenging part was making sure we kept our staff for us personally. Being hospitality, it wasn't a huge thing as biz business, sorry, big business would have had. So we didn't have to worry about staff training and things like that. A lot of our staff, they're just local community people, half of them are family. So we didn't have any structural procedures we had to really face in any major way. Uh, it was more our aim was just to keep our staff employed and, and keep the cogs of the wheel turning. So that was the main aim for us. So as far as expectation in the community, I don't think they had any expectations on us personally. As far as government, we actually found quite a lot of support through the government. They were really good with the JobKeeper. So we had no problems with getting that because we're in hospitality. I think it was different in different areas of business. I think they really looked after hospitality the most, more so than other areas of business. I think if you're in 
uh, sales or things like that. I think it was probably in retail, it was a bit different to what we experienced as hospitality owners. So really we had support all the way through. I, I couldn't fault the government for the funding they, they gave us to stay stay going. Uh, we even had funding for, because we've got the awning out the front, we didn't get funding through the local community. We were actually able to apply for a grant to get furnishing out the front because they're promoting outdoor eating. So little things like that, um, they just kept popping up. It's like, well, if you need this, if you need that. And they were really responsive with emails. Like, they were really good. Mm. So, yeah, we were really, really fortunate. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so what do you think, having worked with your sister and your mother, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think has been the key to that sustainable relationship and also the key to having a sustainable business in the area? Mum. Yeah. Definitely mum. Um, Brie and I are great. We don't fight much at all, which is really good. But mum's like our oracle. So through all of our business, you know, if we were sort of a little off kilter, mum would pull us into line because that's what mums do. So I think through the major part of our business, mum's just been that key where, yeah, if Brie and I sort of started growl at each other or something, mum would fix us. There was no tolerance for arguments. Um, so that was brilliant. Now mum's retiring more. So mum's, she's actually just retired. So because she's retired, Brie and I are left to our own devices a lot more now. So, but we still pull mum in just for her advice, obviously, every now and then. But she's not an active worker in the business anymore, which is sad because we miss her terribly. But I think through the main part of our business, she was probably the key to stop arguments. And because, I mean, they say don't work with family. It's, it's quite a big thing. And to be in business for 20 years and still have a really close relationship that we do, we're very fortunate. But having said that as well, we all have different areas we excel in. So we're not the same, none of the three of us. So where I probably excel in something, mum and Brie don't. But then where my downfalls are, they excel in, which is fabulous. So we do bounce off each other really well. Mm. Yeah. So very fortunate. Yeah. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> And do you think that that's also having things being quite streamlined and, and smooth internally? Do you think that that is the key to being or having sustained your business for so long in the community? I think so. I think the fact that there wasn't rift between us, it did keep it very smooth. So all our procedures and everything we did in-house was, was smooth and easygoing. So I think that reflects on the outside as well. Mm. So, you know, customers coming in felt comfortable. They didn't feel like they were walking into a war zone or anything like that. So I think that definitely did help with sustaining us. And having that sort of connection with your parents and with your siblings it's a bit different to friends so if you're a friend in business there's sort of that well if I don't like you I don't have to like you whereas with family you know that that bond you have is forever no matter what mm. arguments you have so I think that really helps too. Mm. So if you could offer one piece of advice to business owners small business owners in the area what would that be? Oh, I think you're very fortunate if you own a business in the Namaka Valley because, like I said, this community is amazing. It's it's such a beautiful community to be in and to be in business as long as we have in it, it's only because of our community support. Uh, any advice is to stick to it. Just, you know, it is hard work. There are times you want to quit. There are times you don't want to do it. You want to throw the towel in. But just, you know, if it's a dream you have and it's something you want to accomplish, you can do it. So, one day at a time, one step at a time, just keep going forward. So what's next for Tamara and what's next for Elk? Oh, what's next? Um, so we've put a new part of our business in, which is a sweet section. You've probably seen that 
advertised on our social media pages. Um, so we have, you know, a bit of a patisserie range coming through. So we're really starting to hone in on that side as well. We're opening up to more functions of a night, which has been really exciting. So, yeah, so just moving forward. Like I said, you know, everything is just that gradual step forward and building and building and, you know, getting the awning out the front has been absolutely beautiful for for us because we can fit more people in it's a beautiful area to sit love our bougainvillea so that's been flowering beautifully so it's just that progressive step forward for us so just keep evolving and keep moving great yeah well thanks so much for coming on today it's been great to hear from you oh thanks for having me it's been awesome thank you tara ledger you are a capstone in our community friend to many both in and out of the salon chair over the years. A familiar face with roots deep entrenched in the Nambucca Valley and many achievements to date. You've owned your own salon and along with your husband Daniel wrecking business for some time now. You're always on the go and I want to hear about how you do it all. So first up, let's talk about you. I'm a local born yeah, like I've grown up here, born here in Maxwell Hospital and I'm, my surname, uh, maiden name is Ward, so there's a lot of them. And yeah, growing up here, I started a business here when I was 19 and I had two salons, moved away for a little while and now I'm back here having my own little salon at home. Love it. So you've been quite versatile in business, haven't you? Yeah. Over the years? Yeah, I've done some, uh, owned my own salons and then I managed a salon on Hamilton Island. I uh, enjoyed that, learned a lot and it was nice to bring back the skills that I'd learnt up there back to here and now we also run a wrecking yard, the Maxwell Wrecking Yard with my husband so it was good to bring the skills back that I'd learnt up there. How did you end up at Hamilton Island? Uh, my sister moved up there uh, like maybe 20 years ago And my husband and I, Daniel Ledger, he and I decided just to run away to a tropical island and (laughs) um, we just had a great time. We just enjoyed bringing our kids up there on the island and it was just a great lifestyle. It's fantastic. It's great. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Uh, So I work half the week in my little salon at home, uh, three days, and then I do two days at the wrecking yard, so book work and... Uh, just the ins and days of um, running a business in the wrecking yard, yeah. So just for listeners, Tara's Salon is um, on a beautiful property at Congarini yep. and it's quite uh, contemporary and involves a shipping container. So tell me a little <laughs> bit more about that process and how that occurred. Um, i just seen on Pinterest a few times of different salons, just some different ideas that I could do that I could be – We've bought a proper uh, block of land, so we're here for a little while and then I wanted to move it. So I bought a shipping container, cut the side wall out and I've got a beautiful view to look at with glass windows in a shipping container and I've just got a little salon there with two seats, a basin and I'm just busy. It's fantastic. I love it. It's the best thing I've ever done. It is a beautiful view. We're looking out at the rolling hills and the beautiful poppings of trees across um, the horizon. So a lovely place to relax and be pampered. Tell me about how you came to the decision to move from the busy salon environment into your own business at home. Uh, I just love being in touch with my clients and the people and I wanted to move away from that commercial hair industry 
I love catching up with people and just having, just spoiling people, I guess, and just enjoying that time with them one-on-one without the phone ringing, without people walking in. It's just a personal one-on-one. A lot of people, which I didn't realise until I opened this, is people have anxiety about going to hair salons and I never even realised that working in a salon for years, didn't even think that people would be anxious about walking into a hair salon where other people are getting their hair done and I guess being viewed or judged, I guess. So I guess here you can come out and it's just relaxing. You don't have to worry about who's coming in. No one needs to know who you are, where you are. It's just, I guess, nice to have that one-on-one time and, yeah, you're not in a busy salon, no one else knowing where you are or I guess it's, it's really nice to have that one-on-one time with people and I get a beautiful relationship with my clients now, so definitely like that. I guess you probably have a many and varied clientele due to that too. Yes, yeah, and lots of different people. Obviously I'm just word of mouth, so a lot of people I know personally as well as in the salon, but a lot of people I've met that I never realised, like, Uh, I guess word of mouth, someone told someone else and then I've met them and I've just become having like, whatever I explain, uh, just a beautiful relationship with someone I never even knew that that lived here and, yeah, yeah. Do you think providing that unique experience is part of the reason that you've been so successful in this space? Yeah, definitely. I've only been open 12 months and definitely I was just started doing two days now I'm like three and a half days back-to-back clients. Yeah, definitely. Tell me a little bit more about what running your business involves on a day-to-day basis. What does the average day look like for you? <laughs> juggling. Do outsource? <laughs> juggling, um, juggling running from kids to... Um, who does it all? <laughs> yeah. Putting the washing on the line between clients and um, just normal life between catching up with clients, really, having a coffee or nice afternoon cocktail, looking over the view. What are some of the challenging factors that you've found about having a business in the area? Small town talk, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all... Happens to the best uh, Yeah. <laughs> Judging, I think. And I think everyone really deep down always worries what, what people's opinion is of me or, or, or anyone else. Like, I think that's... My, like, obviously, being open here is just... I think questioning yourself whether you're a good person good hairdresser even though you're not in a salon in town you still gotta I don't know I just always have anxiety a little bit about that and I think that's why I do like my own salon because I know people are coming here because they like me and and my skills rather than just popping into a salon and you know getting any hairdresser to do their hair I think maybe yeah I'd probably not really thought about it but yeah I think so yeah. <laughs> So if you could give one piece of advice to any women in particular who are um, looking to start their business and, and worried about the juggle and I guess that sense of, of, of trying to be enough that you and I have definitely talked about before, what has been the sort of the lesson that you've learnt from this process that you could share? My biggest one, I'd underline it in capital letters, is be confident in yourself and and listen to other people's compliments and and sometimes we forget to listen we just go oh yeah thanks for that but actually listen to people's compliments and just be confident in yourself don't 
go over the top with, you know, big debts of, of going in to do something. Start small and just, yeah, be confident in yourself and, and happy we've got one shot of this, this little storybook we do all, we all live, but every chapter's your own and you have, it's your turn to make it. So just confidence, I think. So what's next for you in your business? Um, just I don't really know. <laughs> Um, I'm building a house, so I guess we'll pick up the container and move it along to our, our block of land once we build our house. And, yeah, just I really enjoy I really enjoy just catching up with my friends, which I call clients or clients I call friends the other way around, and also concentrating on the wrecking yard as well. We bought that from Daniel's parents only two years ago, so concentrating on that as well. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about that. Well, it's uh, established in 1984, so I'm pretty sure you all know that there's a wrecking yard there. We just forget to fix our own cars up, I think, sometimes. Instead of just buying new, we can we forget that it's easy enough just to put some new parts in and we don't have to buy these brand new cars and these brand new parts. Yeah, just it's moving along well, I think. So what's your role in terms of the wrecking yard? Are you... Managing the day-to-day operations when you're there? Are you bookkeeping? What does that look like for you? I'm bookkeeping. I work for Daniel. I never say that I'm his boss. <laughs> I think that's important with husband and wife, businesses together. Um, I just do two days a week in the yard, in the little office that I work in. And then the other days of the week, we're busy looking on, uh, we do a lot on Marketplace. We do a lot on eBay. So it's very constant. Weekends, you know, we're always getting notifications. It's a constant process, obviously, of keeping on top of people wanting parts and just being out there enough for people to contact whenever they need to. You know, you don't want to lose that sale of that one item that could sit there for a while or if that person needs it. So the whole wrecking yard, if you ever drive past it, is full of stock in that shed. Like there's things in there from the 80s and no one wants to get rid of anything because it could be just the pers- the perfect part that someone needs that's doing up their car. So, yeah. That must be an interesting dynamic, you know, living together and working together. <laughs> <laughs> when you are, you know, I'm thinking about, the fact that you're on call and trying not to miss those sales and that's a very common thing for people who own their own business. I'm thinking about how important it is to be able to switch off and have boundaries around managing those expectations <laughs> from the outside world. Could you give any tips or pointers around around how you do that or is that, is that a process indeed you're still learning? I actually don't know how to switch off. <laughs> we try to but I think anyone that owns their own business or does like works for themselves, you know, I guess you're always thinking about it and I don't know, try, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think we do turn off. Yeah. <laughs> so are there some things that you've put in place to kind of manage your workload and still look after yourself? Yeah, I do actually. There's, there's sometimes where I've decided that by Wednesday I'm like, right, I need some time myself I need a few hours to to so the beauty of owning your own business I guess is that you can block out time for yourself and my husband plays cricket on the weekends and my kids play sports so that's I guess our out time and we love to be social so we've got a really beautiful 
bubble of people that we love to spend time with and I guess that is our out. So what do you like about living in the Nambucca Valley? Well, for the first two years after I moved back from the island, I wanted to run back up there. Uh, It was amazing and we had such a great lifestyle up there. Um, But now we've been back for I think six or seven years. The easy lifestyle, the people, the Nambucca Valley have some amazing people and you can only see when things happen like fires or or any of the devastation that people come together and we live in a beautiful part of the world as well. Like we have the best weather here. So I guess I guess the people, the community, I love the easy, easygoing community probably of living here, yeah. I guess probably through, um, you know, having a, a varied clientele, you make a lot of connections with other businesses too kind of organically through that process. So it might, I guess it's probably a benefit of having a small town in that. In that sense that, you know, we all share the support around and... We do, yeah. yeah. And, and shop local. I love to share the love, I call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Tara. Penny, it was great. Yeah, good to talk. Thank you for tuning into the Valley Hub Stories podcast. A quick note to let you know that we are currently on the lookout for podcast hosts. If you have an interest you'd like to share or simply want to be involved reach out on our socials at thevalleyhub underscore nv or connect with us at www.thevalleyhub.com.au. Till next time, happy listening.